You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here is your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Monday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in a very warm, sunny Oklahoma. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. Norman, you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Monday, January 15th, episode 30,343, brought to you today by Warm Flooring. Happy Martin Luther King Day. I have good news and bad news for you on this Monday morning. First, the bad. It's Monday. But the good news is really good. Jamie and Glenn are here to guide you through another week filled with horse talk and a whole lot of fun. Welcome to Horses in the Morning. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Monday morning. And we have a jam-packed show for you today. Our Trailer 101 series continues with Brad. He's going to dispel some of the popular myths and misconceptions about trailers. We have Kaylee Marie. She's going to join us uh, from Braveheart Beasts, and she's going to tell us about her upcoming adventure, I think next week, to the Gobi Cold Camel Expedition in Mongolia. Why, I don't know. That's what we're going to ask. And Jamie has the results of our informal dog poll. I mean, dude, this thing took me like four hours to to put together. I did so much research and contacted people all over the United States to find this out. And again, remember, it's garbage, but it's my garbage. Well, you know what? Our polls can be as bad as some of the other polls we read. We had some terrible ones last week. We might as well do our own. Exactly. And in the Auditor Post Show, we're going to do your equestrian first world problems. But God, the cold. Oh, my God. You, Some of you, I just have been watching your pictures of the snow and the minus 20 and the wind chills of minus 50 and you're what at two right or three um listen i don't understand what this garbage is of what the current temperature is and then what the feels like is and i'm doing air quotes with my fingers when i say feels like because currently it's gone all the way up to four but the feels like outside is negative 11 does it feel like a negative 11 or does it just feel cold at that point all I can tell you is that my dogs said it was very cold when I let them out and they pooped and they ran right back in. <laughs> One of ours would not go out, would just refuse to go out during those temperatures. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fun, huh? And, you know, I saw four to six inches. We have a lot of listeners in Tennessee. Four to six inches of snow in Tennessee with Mississippi and Alabama even getting some. I mean, well, much to my son's dismay, we got just a dusting of snow yesterday, mm. so... No, school was not canceled. Oh. <laughs> He's probably the only place in the country this school's not canceled right oh, now. Oh, he was so mad. He's like, it's MLK Day and it's 11 below. Why are we going to school? <laughs> yeah, a lot of school districts are closed for that and too, you know? So. I, well, he just came back from a three-week oh, break for right. Christmas. So that's it's right. like, dude, get in the car. <laughs> that's right. They did have a really long Christmas break. Yeah. All right, let's do some Daily Winnies. I have several auditor birthdays today. Amanda Haas, uh, Mackenzie Loper, Elizabeth Toby, Carmel Dunlap, and Alex Sherman. Happy birthday to all of them. And guess what else happened this weekend? So we went up to the farm. We took the ponies up. They needed to get a change of scenery for a couple of days. And uh, it even got chilly here in Florida, not like you, but it, it was down into almost 30s. Sure. So, so we brought them up there. And guess who came to see us on Sunday morning? They were in town. Loreen. Remember Loreen from Really Bad Ads every Friday for the last 10 years? Of course. She's one of the highest contributors to this podcast. That's correct. She's a celebrity now. And I told her that when she got there. So Loreen was in town for her birthday. She went to the World Equestrian Center, stayed at the World Equestrian Center in the hotel, ate at the expensive restaurant, and her and her daughter, Alicia, came up. Uh, They drove up to the farm and spent a couple hours visiting with us, and that was very lovely. Um, So i got to tell you a funny story. I don't know if she wants me to tell this. But she didn't say not to. So she, uh, they were staying. And that's the first rule of radio is everything's fair game unless you say it's not. It was so much fun to see her because we've heard her every week. 
Hi, so- <laughs> I'm Lorreen Bodden. I'm going to tell you a really bad ad. That's oh it. Oh, my God, I love her so much. <laughs> That's it. So she, uh, they had breakfast Sunday morning before they came up, and they decided instead of going to the expensive restaurant downstairs at the World Equestrian Center, they would order room service. They got two avocado toast and a fruit plate. It was $82. <laughs> <laughs> That's really stupid. <laughs> so there you go. Anybody want to stay at the World Equestrian Center? Bring your credit card. You're going to need it. But it was so much fun to see you, too. I'm so glad you visited and uh, look forward to seeing you again at some point. It was a lot of fun. I hate to even tell this story because I know what you're going to say, and it's not going to be good, but I I did something really exciting and also probably pretty stupid. (laughs) And every story should start out with exciting and stupid. Uh, So remember I told you I was last Friday, I was waiting on the videos. So, so I had this, I had this idea. I've been kind of depressed. I've had a lot of stuff going on in my personal life. And I was like, you know what I need is I need a challenge. I need a challenge. So what I just dreamed up in my mind, I was like, I'm going to take, I want to find very specific request to find a, I want a 14 to 14, two hand Pinto gelding, working ranch horse, not a, not a show horse, but like a horse that's like working the feedlots that's working out, like doing stuff. And, um, my friends sent me this video or an ad for a 14 uh, Pinto gelding. Oh, by the way, under 10 and under 2,500 bucks were the other two things. Uh, ponies been working the feedlots and been used for hog hunting. Okay. And I was like, that is my horse, but I'm, it's two and a half hours away. I'm not going to drive and see it without video. So I was waiting on the videos uh, during the show last Friday while they sent me the videos and he's sound and he was being ridden by a, like a six foot two tall farm boy, basically. Um, just looked just like Barrett bless his heart and, uh, sent me the video and it's it's one of those one of those things where uh, you see the video and you're like, oh my god, just put him in the trailer, just 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 send him to, just put him in the trailer. So I I messaged him. I'm like, okay, he looks sound enough. I mean, he like whinnied in the video, and the guy was like, shut up, and like ripped his face off. You know, like I mean, just one of those like. He's working, but he's not super enjoying it. You know what I mean? And, and and my goal was on Friday, I told you, I want to find a horse that has never been kissed on the nose. And I want to take this like working horse and make him into a fancy show pony, a uh, less, uh, uh, just a, uh, an inventor, a hunter. I don't know what everyone's to do, but let's transform this working Western horse into a working English horse and see what we can do. And so I was like, that's cool. Uh, so he, he filled F every slot and he, he needed me. So I said, okay, listen, this, this cold is coming in. How much to just bring him to me? I'm not going to go look at him. Just how much to deliver him? Cause that never has gone wrong before. What could possibly <laughs> go wrong, Glenn? This is like, the thing we tell people not to do. I always tell people, I'm like, listen, do not do, do not use me as an example. I buy horses on online auctions. I buy crippled horses because they feel sorry for them. Maverick, it's a perfect, just put them in the trailer. Just put them in the trailer. And so this situation, I was like, just, just put them in the trailer. I mean, he, like every video, he is like wide eyed and freaked out looking and just like, he's, he's being ridden by this giant human and they canter him up and down and, and they're canter him like, he's being ridden. And again, these people were very, very nice to me. Um, and they're riding him up and down. It's like a cattle auction. And so he's kind of in between stalls of cows and he's being ridden up and back and turning him around and he looks relatively sound. So, okay, it's fine. Just put him in the trailer. So I'm like, when can you get him here? And he's like, well, ma'am, the cold's coming in. I was ma'am the whole time. Yes, sir. I understand that. He's like, We'll get him going right now. I'll have him there by five. <laughs> I was like, it's two. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. So I sure need to go next week sometime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After the storm. But I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, I got to have him before the storm. Cause I'm, they're not going to love him 
Like I'm going to love him in the middle of a storm. Uh, so they deliver him and he's like, I'm going to have my son bring him. And so their 16, his 16 year old son rolls up at 5 PM. Oh, you know, um, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to disparage the facilities that other people have, but like, you know, in really bad ads, those trailers that have no roof. Yeah. Yeah. He arrived in that <laughs> and it was like 20 degrees outside. Like it was plummeting. And probably by the time they got here, it was like 15 degrees. And this horse had no. So it was the open air trailer with just the frame. Com- convertible. Yeah. Convertible. Just, yeah. There was like a little Stock bar trailer. that went over the top. Yeah. Stock trailer. I mean, this, this horse we is in the wind. cows and something. I did take pictures of it, like sneak. I snuck some pictures because I was like, nobody's going to believe this. I can't believe he just rode for three hours in the freezing cold. Like, and so uh, he's like, I'll get him out, ma'am. You know, goes to get him out. Glenn, this horse stepped down off the ramp. And when I say horse, I don't mean horse. This thing is like 13 too. <laughs> it is a tiny pony. <laughs> like, now has a pony. <laughs> like. It's a pony. You remember Precious Magic Gallop Jennings, the little black Mustang I trained? Well, it's it's like little, that size. It's good you're a little thing. <laughs> I can I can still ride it. Thank goodness. Um, so I, I I let him around, and I'm like, you know, okay, ponies go for big bucks now, though. Yeah, trained ponies, yeah, Glenn. Yeah, well, trained ponies. Yeah. Here's here's the thing. This little pony definitely has never been kissed on the nose because you can't touch his face. <laughs> You can't come anywhere near his face. And they did tell me they were like, he's real hard to bridle. And so I don't even know how old he is. And so I'm like, I need to look at his teeth. I'm going to look at his teeth. And I go to touch his face and he won't let me touch his face. And so finally I get to where I can get my hand on the side of his muzzle. It takes me about five minutes, but I'm, you know, and he has lacerations on his cheeks, like where the bit has mm. been pulled back. Mm-hmm. And so he's cuts on the, in the corners of his mouth. No wonder he doesn't want you to touch his face. Yeah. No wonder he yeah. doesn't want to take the bit. And so I don't, I, I mean, I think this little pony was just well, you put wanted to work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> I also, um, he doesn't want to be haltered, um, or caught. So, I mean, all of these are problems that I love. Like, I love this. I have I I called my vet. I have a new vet. And I called her and I was like, I, I'm used to being kind of shamed by my old vet. And this vet, because I was like, I did something stupid. Uh, I need your help. I need you to come out here and help me. And she was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. I love when people do this. I get to live vicariously through you. This is going to be so fun. We're going to get a big I get to charge you thousands of dollars for I everything. <laughs> And that's the undertone is I'm going to make so much money off of you. This is great. So anyway, I'm really excited to uh, welcome this pony. Now, he came with he came with the name, but I have learned (laughs) it's pretty darn close to just any old cowboy horse name. But the problem is I'm going to tell you what the name is because I'm going to ask for a listener's help. I find that when a horse makes a transition into a new life. They also need a new name. And I also think that because he's going to be posted, his journey is going to be posted on social media. I don't, and and I don't really know his whole history. I want to change his name so nobody can lay claim to him or think that any of the, I didn't do that. That was my whole, I didn't do that. I want none of that. I want him to have a fresh start. Even though I did like his name, I want him to have a fresh start. So I'm going to post some pictures and I need y'all to name him. This is going to be the horse radio network pony. Okay. All of y'all are involved and invested non-financially, but you're invested emotionally because I'm going to have to chronicle his journey because I, I will tell you that he for sure, for sure got his first ever blanket put on and I had to go to three separate friends. Thank you, Patty. Thank you, Ginger. Thank you, Larissa for all working so hard to help me find a blanket. That is a 62. Did they they tell you how big he was before you? Yeah. They said he was 14 hands Mm. and he unloads off the trailer and I go, Oh my God, he's tiny. And, and the, the girl with him goes, yeah, we sticked him this morning. We measured him this morning at 14 hands. And I was like, what measuring tool did yeah, you, did you use? measure his ears? <laughs> <laughs> we measured him right up to the top of his head. <laughs> oh my God, he's so tiny. But then, you know, he's so then I have size. to. 
He's a little bigger than Scooter. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, but he's he's very hairy. But when you run your hands on the hair, you it's like down the rib cage. You know, he, he's he's not had a whole lot of good days. Bless his little heart. I don't know how old he is. I can't touch his face. I'm, I'm just he needs to be do, he needs to have so many things done. And I'm just waiting. And the vet will be here on Wednesday afternoon after the show uh, to basically top to bottom this pony. I'm sure he's never had his teeth done. I'm sure he's never had a vaccine. He's never had a deworming. He's not. I mean, he didn't know what grain was, Glenn. I still can't really get him to eat grain. He'll eat the hay, but he, and grass hay, and he won't eat grain. I'm like, dude, this is like $900 a bag. Like, it's like liquid gold. Like, try this, you know? (laughs) No, he's like, I don't think so. So, which makes me think probably, Without a doubt, he's got ulcers. So there's that too. He's top to bottom. He just needs to be worked on by the vet. Congratulations. You got exactly what you wanted. So I had to let the husband come down to see him. I said, what do you think I did? Because, of course, I got this while he was on a trip. And so, you know, it's the adding an animal when your husband's out of town kind of thing. Uh, So he comes to the barn and he walks in and he looks at him and he goes, this is absolutely perfect for you. This is exactly what you need. And I'm really <laughs> excited for you. I love him so much. He's I cute. He's cute. He's little. Do you get the picture? He's little. He looks scooter size. Let me tell you. He's a little pony. So I'll post those pictures. I and, like his um, buggy eyes that are popping way out of his head. I oh, mean, yeah. Oh he God. is freaked <laughs> out by everything. It's like. Well, he should be good with cows. Yeah. He won't. He won't mind cows. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, congratulations. You got with exactly what you wanted. Isn't it nice? I did. Yeah. Little freaked out. Yeah. Poor little sad little pony. You know what, that you know what I hear, right? What? You know what I always hear. I know what you hear. It's going to yeah. be expensive, but it's none no, of your no, business. No, no, no. I also oh. hear this is good for the show. So <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna, I told my husband, we're going to make so much Anything money on him. Anything that costs you a lot of money is great for the show. It's- <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell my husband you said that. <laughs> Ditch the mats upgrade to worm flooring systems. Worm stands for we eliminate rubber mats because the constant struggle with heavy rubber mats sucks. Do you crave a more durable, easy to clean flooring solution for your trailer barn or any space commercial or residential worm flooring systems are here to revolutionize your floors. Say goodbye to the mats and hello to non-porous surfaces. No liquid seeping through, making it easy for cleaning, good hygiene, slip resistant grip, stay safe with exceptional traction, even in wet conditions like when your horse pees on the floor, then I go slip on it. Uh, Cushion comfort, reduce shock and fatigue for you and your animals. Textured surface so you can enhance the grip and prevent unwanted slipping. Safe and seamless experience a smooth, continuous surface for easy cleaning and maintenance. And it's durable, built to last. It withstands heavy machinery and constant use. And it's a quieter environment thanks to the sound dampening properties. It also insulates your tray and helps maintain consistent temperatures for your horses. Uh, so Worm Flooring Systems is the perfect choice for applications all over your horse property and in your trailer. We eliminate rubber mats. Thank you, Worm Flooring, for being such a good sponsor. Now you have something coming up with them. Yeah, we uh, when we go on our cruise at the beginning of February, we're dropping the trailer off and going to get our Worm Flooring put in. I'm so Yay! excited. Oh, my God, you're going to love it. It's Worm, W-E-R-M, flooring.com is where you can find a dealer near you. But, yeah, we're going to get it done. We're going to drop the trailer off and come back, and it'll be miraculously transformed. Well, what you have to do is you have to take a picture of you guys laying down on the floor because you'll never do that again. No, but... not after the horses pee on it. No, no, but for the first time, you have to take a picture of Okay. We'll do that. And I'm so excited, too, because really it's time to pull up the mats and clean out underneath. And no. I said to Jennifer, well, we're bringing it in. We don't have to do that now. So. If it's time to do that, that means it's way past time to do that. <laughs> Who are you lying to? Well, our first guest on the show today, I met at Equine Affair. I believe that's where I met her. And you all know her. She's been on the show before. She's from Braveheart Beast. Her name is Kaylee. And she does, uh, you know her because she does liberty work. She does clinics and mostly liberty stuff. She does demonstrations. She does shows. She does bridalist riding. We know her for all of that stuff. She's absolutely delightful. And then I saw her post this on her Facebook page. And I said, oh, hell, we got to get her on to talk about that. Because you're going to do something really stupid next week 
Indeed I am, Glenn. Indeed I am. <laughs> okay, tell us what this stupid thing is you're doing. So I am headed to Mongolia to make a 180-mile trek across the Gobi Desert on camels in the dead of winter. <laughs> so first of all, I thought camels yeah. were warm weather animals. I didn't know they did snow and stuff. And second of all, I didn't know the desert got that cold. Yeah, so they're actually really hardy animals year-round, and it's pretty impressive, the winter coats that they'll have on when we're out there with them. Um, and the Gobi gets incredibly cold. It'll be sub-zero a lot of the, the days and the nights that we're out there. So Wait, Was <laughs> it cold enough here in the United States you decided you had to go get colder? Well, most people go somewhere warm for yeah, the winter, but do. I figure after this... <laughs> Home will feel warm to me. Oh, so <laughs> that's one way to look at it. Okay, so why? Why, 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 Gary? Well, that's that's a good question. And a lot of my experience with horses has led me to connect with some pretty incredible people throughout my career. And I'm really an all or nothing kind of a person, which has also led me to travel to some pretty cool places. And every time I travel somewhere, that's a little outside of my comfort zone or I meet somebody new, I end up discovering not only new places and new people, but I discover a lot about myself as well. And when it comes to training horses, I think the more we can understand about ourselves, the more we can improve the way that we show up in our daily lives, the more we can show up to help our horses be successful. So even though this might not really seem related to horse training, for me, being able to experience something so extreme and so far out of my comfort zone, I see it as a pretty incredible opportunity to just go somewhere amazingly beautiful and just raw and meet myself there and see what I can find. You know, when you show up to your horses too, they appreciate you having all your fingers and toes. Yeah, this, this is very true. <laughs> so this is not the first time. Uh, Chloe, right? Uh, Chloe Phillips-Harris, who lives in Chloe New Zealand. Chloe Phillips-Harris. Yeah. Mm -hmm. she, she's been on our show too. I think it was about the Muggle Derby or something. I don't remember. But, yeah, she is uh, she's amazing. She's the one that these crazy things, right? Yes, yeah. she is. So speaking of connecting with some pretty incredible people, I met Chloe for the first time at Horse World Expo in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania last March. And prior to that, actually a few years prior, I had been listening to Warwick Schiller's podcast, The Journey On Podcast. And one of the very um, first episodes, pretty early on in the podcast, he talks about this amazing adventure he went on with his son across the Gobi Desert with this brave adventure, Chloe. And for a long time for me, it was just a story, but something that immediately went on my my bucket list, or as work would say, a reverse bucket list. <laughs> so the opportunity to meet Chloe at Horse World Expo, her booth was right across from mine. And so we, we got to chat quite a few times and we connected over Facebook and stayed in touch. Um, so when the, the opportunity kind of dropped itself in my lap this year to go on this trip, I just couldn't turn it down. Have you ever met a camel? Um, I have met a camel a few times. I've been on a camel once. Okay. I did too. It was at the zoo and you pay $5 <laughs> and they put you up on the back and lead you around. Is that how yours went? Uh, it was something, something similar to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you prepare for something like this? I mean, obviously you just pack every cold weather thing you have. Yeah, so it's been a pretty in-depth preparation so far. I mean, there's a lot of corresponding with Chloe, and she's communicating with people out in the field in Mongolia to keep track of weather. Um, and they send you a pretty in-depth packing list. Like, it's not just grab your winter coat and a pair of gloves. There's a pretty um, intricate layering system that you have to bring with you, and you have to fit it all into a bag that carries about 20 pounds or less because you're you're packing it so you're going to be carrying it the whole way uh, but what's really cool is in addition to all this pretty high-tech winter gear you also send chloe and the team they had us take our measurements like our clothing measurements and they've made us handmade mongolian deals which is d-e-e-l which is a very traditional heavy robe 
and boots and a hat. Well, that's to worth withstand. it right there. <laughs> I know. And you get to bring them home. So like not oh. to be like a total tourist, but like how <laughs> how could you not? <laughs> now you're actually, how's your stomach anyway? Because, you know, everybody, you're staying yeah. with the locals over there in the yurts. And everybody yeah. that's done the Mongol Derby gets sick at one point or another, um, eating the food and, and drinking the mare's milk. How are you uh, with that? Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited to try some of the cultural food over there. We're gonna have a Mongolian cook that comes with us that's able to prepare Western chef. food. I know. So this isn't this isn't <laughs> as, as out there as you might think. I mean, private chef, no electricity or water. It's a trade off. Um, <laughs> but they're able to prepare Western food for us. Um, so food that's more similar to to what we're used to here. But we also get to experience the the food and culture over there if we'd like to. So I'm definitely interested in at least trying the mare's milk. I've been studying up Mm. on Mongolia since I I get to go on such an incredible adventure over there. Uh, And that's a really traditional, it's like, it's a kind of a sacred thing for them. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. Uh, yeah. we, you know, we joke about it, but it, it really is. It, it's uh, yeah. It's important to them. And, you know, Mongolia would, wouldn't, I mean, tourism from Mongolia now uh, revolves around adventurists and horseback riders. Um, yes. I mean, it's, it's crazy how popular Mongolia has become and reindeer mm. riding, too. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's your next trip, isn't it? You're going to do the reindeer. Honestly, after, after I signed on for this expedition with the camels, the next trip that Chloe posted had people riding camels, horses, reindeer, and yaks for 30 days, oh <laughs> not That's just 12. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah, yeah. What uh, is the cr- so it's, it's pretty incredible. You're going to come on after does. you do this. So you're leaving, what, next yes, week, Yes, I'd right? love to. Uh, no, I, I leave on Wednesday. Oh, wow, okay. So, yeah, so I'm packing my bags as we speak. All right, so we want, I, I can't wait to see all the pictures, and we'll definitely have you on after this adventure Absolutely. to find out all about it. What's the craziest thing you've done up to this point? Oh my training gosh! Training horses like you do, but riding <laughs> Roman and all that stuff. Yeah. I've I've done up to this point. That's a that is a really good question. I mean the the first thing that pops up for me would be my experiences with the friends I have over in England, um, with Ben Atkinson and one of his close friends Oliver Phillips, because they're always kind of pushing the boundaries of what's comfortable and getting to Roman ride with Ben and work with Ollie and his Spanish stallions um, in the airs above ground. And like Oliver was the one that taught me how to fire breathe and introduced me to kind of the, the art around fire, which has stuck with me for a long time, really since, since then. Um, Those were some pretty crazy experiences too. Well, you know, last year was our year of badass women here on the show, and I think we're extending that this year with you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, good luck. Uh, Please come back with all of your fingers and toes uh, and your nose. Yes, I I will. Everything will be attached. All right, good. (laughs) (laughs) Chloe wants to come on. Actually, she reached out to me last week too. She's going to come on. She has a documentary coming out too uh, that I can't wait to see. But I can't wait to hear all about this. I'm so excited for you. You get to do so many fun cool things and well, thank you so much and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks all right glenn i'm looking forward to it all right thanks again. have fun thank you jamie i'll talk to you guys soon all right bye well coming up next is our third part in our trailer 101 series today we're talking about the myths and misconceptions of trailers and this uh is sponsored by double d trailers but also Cosquin ASU joint and hoof pellets contain quality ingredients to support joint and hoof health and leave out fillers of molasses and alfalfa, all while delivering the taste horses love. The colors of our ingredients shine through for a difference you can see. Visit CosequinEquine.com. And now on to our next trailer series. Welcome to our monthly horse trailer series brought to you by Double D Trailers. Find them online at doubledtrailers.com. That's double, the letter D, trailers.com. 
Well, Glenn here, founder of the Horse Radio Network and host of Horses in the Morning. One of the top requested segments we've gotten from listeners is about trailers and trailer safety. Brad Heath from Double D Trailers has agreed to help us with a five-part series on trailers. Brad is the owner of Double D Trailers with over 25 years of experience in horse trailer manufacturing and the equestrian industry. In part one, we spoke about the do's and don'ts of trailer hauling. In part two, we talked about trailer configurations and layouts. And you can find both of those previous ones if you haven't heard them, just go to horseradionetwork.com slash trailer, and you can listen directly to those. Now, in part three, we're talking about trailer myths and misconceptions. Uh, and I think this is a fun one, and I did ask for some listener input on this, Brad. So uh, these, these are some questions from the listeners or some things that, that I think are very common that we have to, we either have to say, is it a myth or not? All right? Yeah. Go, uh, good to see you, Glenn. Go easy on me. <laughs> One of the things that always comes up, is it safe to tie your horse to the outside of your trailer, to the little D-ring? Wow. Uh, that's one of those questions that really doesn't have a yes or a no. Uh, here's my opinion on this subject. There's really not a safe place on the trailer to tie a horse. You know, the first thing that happens, we custom build these beautiful works of art that cost thousands and thousands of dollars. And clients are so meticulous over their new piece of equipment. They don't want any scratches on it. And then the first thing we'll do is we'll go tie a horse to the side of it. And, you know, he just rakes his teeth across the paint or he paws it or there's a dent right out of the gate. But, you know, I've seen horses uh, cut their legs on the lower portion of the trailer. They can get in between the tires and the fender wheels and uh, things of that nature. So my preference would be to not tie a horse to the exterior of the trailer, at least not on the tie loop itself. Um, And I always, when we're positioning tie loops, you know, we try to get those away from the back door so that latches are not a factor what I like better than anything that I've seen are these products called high ties or tie rights. I think there's a few on the market. We don't make those, but we do install them. And it, it's basically uh, a rod that sticks out away from the trailer, approximately three or four feet. The horse is secured from overhead. So there's no line hanging down for them to get tangled up in. And they can graze from it, um, and it just keeps them off the trailer. So I think it's much safer for the horse, safer for the trailer, uh, probably safer for handler too, because you, you know you just don't have that horse right up against the side of the trailer. The next one on the list is transport. This is very appropriate because the day we're recording this, we're getting like tornadoes all over the South and hundred mile an hour winds in Florida. And, uh, and I've seen a number of reports today of uh, especially RVs blowing over and, you know, all of that kind of stuff coming in right now. And this was a questioner that a several listeners had is how do you determine if it's safe to transport your horses in bad weather? Uh, and they used heat wind. I mean, wind was the big one today, but heat's also a consideration. So how do you know? Sure. Um, I think, you know, the, the answer regarding heat comes down to the trailer itself. If it's an insulated trailer, then that's going to help tremendously. And obviously with, uh, with good ventilation while you're traveling, roof vents, fans, things of that nature. We have client testimonials frequently that come back to us that say, hey, I hauled my horse from you know, Southern California over to Texas, the temps were a hundred plus degrees. They arrived, uh, the horse wasn't sweaty or anything like that. So minimal stress, but it's a 100% insulated trailer. Uh, I did a video years ago and still on our site of a mill finish roof and mill is sort of the natural shiny color of aluminum. It's unpainted. And this particular trailer did not have an insulated roof. And uh, we we took a temperature gun and walked inside and just held it up in the ceiling. And I think it got to 138 or 148. Oh, fried egg time. Oh, man. <laughs> it, it was so, you could not you couldn't hold your hand on it. It was so high. We kept the camera rolling, walked out of that one, walked over to the next trailer, stuck the thermostat up. And, you know, it's like maybe 105 or something like that. So it was a significant difference. So the key to hauling in extreme temperatures, particularly heat. Um, obviously just make sure you have good ventilation and insulation more importantly, the cold aspect, 
you know, if you're hauling in a stock trailer, I'd prefer to see those sides closed in with some plexiglass or something. And of course, you can use a, a horse blanket if needed uh, during the colder environments. Wind, that's a great question. You know, I had someone ask, or maybe it was in uh, the questions that came up of a formula that could be used. That's what they were asking, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be nice. I'm not aware of one. Probably some mathematician that's a lot smarter than I am may have something. I did see something uh, regarding the square root of 195 times the weight of something, (laughs) you know, could determine how much wind it takes to move an object. And I think to blow a human, it was around 90 miles an hour from what I saw. But... You know, it, it, it has a lot to do with the trailer, the tow vehicle, the size of the rig, the weight of the rig. And which way the wind is blowing. Which way the wind is blowing is it a crosswind component. Um, when you look at RVs, you know, RVs sit up much higher off the ground than horse trailers do. And they're much boxier. Yeah. 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 The entire box is built, you know, over the top of the axle. And then, you know, it's all up, I don't know, 13 feet tall or something. They're, they're really tall. So you have a, a top heavy load. And it's almost like uh, if you can imagine the wind blowing a pine tree that's 20 feet tall versus a pine tree that's 50 feet tall, the 50 foot tall pine is going to sway a whole lot more. Uh, to the point that it can actually snap and break over. So uh, keeping a horse trailer with a low center of gravity definitely helps with uh, the wind blowing you all over the road. But, you know, if if you're hauling with a short wheelbase SUV, perhaps a Tahoe or an Explorer or something like that, and you have a two-horse bumper pull that's fully loaded, um, a short base SUV is the, the tail end of that thing is going to get more squirrely quicker than what a long base would be, or perhaps a three quarter ton truck or something along those lines. So I, I would say, um, and that's something that we can pose a question to for some more listeners. I'd like to get additional feedback on that just for clients input to say, hey, this is what I have experienced. So maybe we can plug that on a well, later show. And we always had a rule, uh, kind of a, it's just a common sense thing. When when it starts to feel squirrely and you're getting uncomfortable, then it's probably time. That's correct. Yep. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable driving it, don't do it. When you start getting nervous because the wind's blowing and your trailer's blowing and, you know, it's one thing when a truck goes by and, you know, you're, you're doing a little. And we've discussed that in part one. Uh, right. But when it starts to get to, that the wind's causing a problem, then probably is best to pull over because you're it's indicating that there might be a problem. So that's right. Yeah. Um, so this is a good one, too. Aluminum is the best material to use for a horse trailer. Hands down. Nothing else is allowed. Oh, man. Folks are going to start throwing rocks <laughs> at me, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back uh, back in, in the day of whenever horse trailers were constructed, maybe, I don't know, we've got a history of trailers. I think the first one was 40s or 50s. But um, up until late 70s, early 80s, our choices of materials and technologies were limited. Well, they were steel and wood. Yeah, yeah. it's steel and wood. That's about it. Yeah. And then, of course, the primers and paints and sealants you know, were not nearly what we have today from a chemical durability perspective. And, you know, back in the eighties when, uh, and I think Featherlight was one of perhaps the first companies to begin using that Rodney Culp and his dad, they started Featherlight. I've met Rodney, super cool guy. And it was a great solution because suddenly you had something that was lightweight. It didn't rust. It looked great. And then, two, I think there was the the stigma of the pricing difference. Aluminum was much more expensive than what the steel was back at, during that time period. And so if it costs more, it must be better. And from there, you just had so many manufacturers that continued to, you know, what, what Peter does, Paul does. So if I see this guy do it and it's working for him, I'm going to do it myself. And so they just continued down that same path of rather than innovating and trying to improve as sort of doing, you know, what's, what's been working or kind of what we've always done. Um, in manufacturing, when we started, you know, I always felt that a steel frame was certainly the safest way to go. 
based on some properties of aluminum. And at some point, after we've been building 10 or 15 years, you know, we, we started thinking, hey, maybe we need to do the same thing that everybody else is doing and start building aluminum trailers because a lot of folks want those, right? And we did. Uh, I, we went through the whole process. It was a big deal to upset to um, construct the factory to be able to have the, all the tooling and the dies and things. And, you know, we learned so much. I only built just a handful of those things. And I'm like, I'm not going to continue to put my name on that. You know, aluminum is a very malleable material. And in order to get it where it's strong, it has to be thicker. And then from that perspective, it's not very forgiving, where steel will flex, 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 and then it'll bend. Aluminum may not flex quite so much. And then once it fatigues, it's just going to crack or splinter or break. Uh, the other properties of aluminum that make it not necessarily the best choice of material for constructing a horse trailer, particularly in the roof and in the floor, you know, it's like the video that I mentioned earlier the, of the heat absorption. Man, aluminum's great for solar panels and pots and pans and cookware, but we're not looking to bake the horse. So that's not the smartest material to stretch in the roof, but. Why do, why do manufacturers keep doing it? Well, it's because they can buy rolls of aluminum. It looks like tin foil at the grocery store, except it's, much, it's the width of your trailer. It's on a huge coil. A guy grabs it, pulls it from one end to the other. There's the whole roof of the trailer secured around the perimeter, and you know there's your top. With the flooring, same thing. Uh, aluminum transfers probably more heat, noise, and vibration back to horses' feet and legs than any other material that I can think of that you would put in a trailer, you know, compared to a wood floor or there's all sorts of, you know, uh, other applications out there. So, um, yeah, I would just encourage folks to, you know, sort of take a step back and think if you are going with an all aluminum trailer, make sure at least that the roof is insulated. Um, and the flooring, uh, short story, I traded for a trailer many years ago and it was sight unseen other than photos that the client sent to us. So we delivered the new one, pick up the old one, bring it back to the shop, go inside to clean the thing out, pull the mats back. And I could see daylight through. the I could see the ground through the floor. And it had that extruded aluminum floor. And I was like, oh, man, and there's no way you can fix that because it, it was the actual the structure and, you know, everything. And it was rusting out. And so a huge misconception is, oh, I have an aluminum floor. It's not going to rust. It'll last forever. I don't have to do anything to it. But unfortunately, horse urine and aluminum over time, they don't mix so well. So if you do have a trailer with an aluminum floor, just make sure you pull those mats out, hose the thing down well, you know, get all the, the dirt and debris and urine off of it, allow the floor to dry, and then pull those mats back in. So that's going to be key to maintaining that particular style of floor. I still don't think we can do anything to get away from the, you know, the heat uh, and the noise and vibration factor. But I wanted to end on this one. All trailers are safe for all types of horses. So I, no matter what my trailer is, I can put any horse in it. Obviously, we talked about height before. You know, we talked about configurations and size. Are there any other considerations that? Yeah, well, I, I think that anyone can make the argument of all trailers are not safe. Every single trailer that's on the market isn't a safe, uh, safely laid out or designed trailer. For example, we've talked about the conventional style rear tack and the hazards associated with it. Even open stock side trailers, I've had horses get a leg through and you know, that's another nightmare or button chest bars with the horse having a leg over and you not being able to remove the pin to get the horse back over because of the pressure on it. Uh, and there are solutions to all of those. So, you know, you just want to make sure that whatever trailer that you're using at least has the design function, even if we're not talking about the material, the floor, the structure, the roof, things like that. But the layout itself should be safe for horse and handler. You know, if you're hauling a, a 17 plus warm blood with a foal, uh, that's going to have a different need than what um, maybe a you know, 14, 15 hand quarter horse would. And foals in particular, you have to make sure that the dividers are 
close enough to the sidewall, close enough to the floor, and then even the bars on top of the divider, that those are close enough that, you know, a foal can't get a leg through on that. So, yeah, it, it really depends upon the application, um, the use of the trailer. And uh, there's a lot of variables to look at versus just saying, yeah, yeah, sure. You can probably go get any trailer, throw your horse in it, hauling from point A to point B. And more than likely, they're going to be there when you get there. But, you know, I, I always tell folks I've had people over the years say, well, I've been hauling for a lot, lot years and I've never had any problem. And I said, well, you've never had a problem until you have one. Right. Yeah. It's true. I've never been in an automobile. People say that about everything until they have one. I'll be 50 next year, but, you know, I've never had one. Does it mean that I'm a safe driver or anything like that? It just means it hasn't happened yet, right? So you have to be prepared. All right. You can find Double D Trailers at DoubleDTrailers.com if you want to go take a look. And you have a podcast. Give a plug for that. Yeah, we do. Uh, we're having a lot of uh, a lot of fun with the podcast. That is the Double D Trailers podcast. So just look us up. Very good. And uh, you can custom order trailers. You can take a look at all the different options. Our website's very good. Uh, and if you missed the first two parts we've been talking about, it's horseradionetwork.com slash trailer. You can find them there. And then you can find uh, Brad over there at doubledtrailers.com. Your horse has unique feed needs and Purina has you covered from breeding and growing to senior horses, from performance horses to easy keepers and everything in between, including starving little Western ponies. Purina has an extensive portfolio of research backed options for your horse. There's no shortcut for quality nutrition. Cheaper isn't cheaper. If it doesn't work, put Purina's research to the test, find optimal nutrition at any level at your local Purina retailer or visit PurinaMills.com to learn more we did a bad dog list (laughs) it was a list that i found on usa today of the top dog breed in every state State. that's what and some of them were so bizarre we went nobody has that dog in that state no no Uh, uh, and to be fair one or two of these was correct but pretty much so so what i did is i surveyed our audience Via the Facebook page and then through uh, emails I got. And I mean, y'all really came through. Plus, then I had a couple states I just really needed to reach out to people. So I've messaged people from all over the country. So I've, again, I did not mean to spend four hours on this I mean, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Chad was like, you just want me to make a spreadsheet? I'm like, listen, <laughs> let me do it my way. Okay. Because it was like spreadsheet worthy. And we have the results. After four hours yesterday and one hour today, I have compiled <laughs> the very non-scientific results of the te- of the no. what dog is the most popular in what state. With so I'm our going listeners. Well, even some of them are not listeners. Glenn, okay. <laughs> um, some of them are just people that listeners I reached out friends. to. <laughs> listeners, people we know, friends, things like that. Friends of friends, all of the things. Some be people better than that other list. Some people sent me dogs that their neighbor had and like dogs they had growing up and what state they lived in. I mean, people got really in depth. So, yeah, I learned a lot about new new breeds of dogs I've never heard of. We'll get to those as we go through them. But I'm going to let you know what the uh, USA Today study said. And then uh, you should see this piece, piece, this notebook that I have. It's ridiculous. Uh, So I'm going to read you what they said and what actually is real. In real scientific studies and data, I'm sure I probably spent more time on it. Are we doing all it. 50 states? Yeah, let's go. I mean, come on. Yes. Are, you, are you kidding me? As much as I've worked on this, <laughs> you're going to sit here and listen to it, Glenn. Uh, so I'll just tell you what they said, and I'm sure I put more work into it than they did. So Alabama, for them, was the Australian Shepherd. Alabama, for us, is the Beagle. That sounds Al- about right. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Alaska for them was the Australian Shepherd. Alaska for real life is a Husky or a Husky mix. Okay. Duh. Yeah. How did they not get that? Arizona, they said Australian Shepherd, and it is confirmed the Australian Shepherd is the most popular dog in Arizona. Yep. Um, Arkansas, they said the Australian Shepherd again. And what actually is in uh, Arkansas is a Labrador's. Labs. Blue Heater, close Which second. I think we could make almost any state if we uh-huh. do labs, yeah. yeah. Um, well, California, they said that the most popular dog in California is the Bernese Mountain Dog. Yeah, which we went, what? Yeah. 
More on that later. But the most popular dog, there was a three-way tie because the amount of listeners and people that have dogs in California, no, not the most popular. First, again, no particular order. The Australian Shepherd, the German Shepherd, and a Corgi. Those were the top three <laughs> California dogs. Not and there was a, some really cool dogs like uh, Irish Wolfhounds and lots of other dogs. But I didn't. Uh, yeah, Corgi, German Shepherd, and Aussie. And Colorado, they said German Shepherd. In Colorado, it's actually a Boxer. Boxer <laughs> makes me think y'all must really invest in dog sweaters. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, Connecticut, they said Bulldog. What really is in Connecticut is German Shepherds. Hmm. That makes sense. With Great Dane is a mm. close second, actually. Uh, Delaware, they said Boston Terriers. It's <laughs> actually in Delaware, Border Collies and Huskies. Hmm. Uh, Florida, they said the Bernie's Mountain Dog. Yeah, which I went, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, no, it's Pitbull wanna... is Florida. Actually, that was that was, a, that was in there, but he, Blue Healer oh, okay. was the number one dog in uh now, and, I would have guessed from where we live, it'd be Pitbull or Jack Russell. I didn't have anybody submit a Jack Russell for Florida. All these horse people didn't submit Jack Russell. Not they, one. <laughs> that's all we see down here. Some you got to whack all you see is Jack Russell. Great Danes, like little fluffy dogs, you know, Yorkies <laughs> and things like that. Yorkie was pretty close there, too, but <laughs> Healer was the number one. Um, in Georgia, they said Australian Shepherd and Bernie's Mountain Dog. I think this is. This study was by the Bernie's Mountain Dog Society. Society. <laughs> um, in Georgia, the Labrador was the most popular with a Spaniel coming in close. Now, I would have guessed hunting dogs in Georgia. Yeah, Labrador. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's a bird hunting dog. Uh, Hawaii. I have to go to an email because I got an email can I from. Guess? Can I guess? Can I guess? Go ahead. Pekingese. In Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. So Michelle sent me this email. Aloha, Jamie. I live in Hawaii. Now, remember, they said the Bernie's Mountain Dog is the most popular in Hawaii. Aloha, Jamie. I live in Hawaii. I have never seen a Bernie's <laughs> Mountain Dog in 30 years of living here. The state dog of Hawaii is a pit bull. Every locally born dog has at least one fourth pit bull, often much no more. Right now I have a 50% pit bull, 50% Australian cattle dog mix, a common mix on the big island, and also a 50% pit bull hound mix. Love the show. Uh, the, well, and that's she a long pictures. way from a Pekingese or a you know, Pomeranian. <laughs> she said that there's just, they're all on an island. And so they just interbreed. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know. Spain and no Gales, Burmese mountain dogs mixed with the pit bull, apparently, though. Not no. a one. <laughs> um, in Idaho, they said Labrador. In Idaho, it's the Border Collie. Mm. In Illinois, they said Bulldog. In Illinois, it's the Boxer. That's close. In Indiana, they said Australian Shepherd. In Indiana, it's actually the Blue Healer. Okay. Notice a lot of these are kind of horse-type people dogs, yes. but that's yes. the study that we studied, okay? <laughs> in Iowa... They said Bernie's Mountain Dog, and it's actually a lab. In Kansas, they said German Shepherd. It's the Coonhound. Lots of different types of Coonhounds. Mm, that makes in, sense. Yeah. <laughs> in Kentucky, they said German Shepherd. I had a submission of 16 different dogs from Kentucky, and they were all the exact same dog. Do you want to guess what the dog of Kentucky is, Glenn? Pitbull? Mutt. <laughs> I wrote, I just kept writing down that it was like mutt, 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 mutt. I mean, there was, just, there was no discernible breeding in Kentucky aside from mutt, according to my study. Okay, let's see. The next one was what? Louisiana. Louisiana, uh, they said Labrador. It's a pit mix. <laughs> Hands down, yeah. not even a question. Pit yeah. mix. Uh, Maine German Shepherd, they said in Maine, it's the the annual the the Maine dog in Maine is a mutt, lots of mutts. Uh, Maryland, they said let's they said German Shepherd. It couldn't be more opposite. The most popular dog, according to my study in Maryland, is the pug. <laughs> <laughs> Massachusetts, they said Labrador Retriever. It's actually the Rat Terrier. Yeah, actually, I would see that. Yeah, a big. 
big numbers on the Rod Terriers there. In Michigan, they said German Shepherd and Golden Retriever. It's actually the Australian Shepherd. The one time they didn't say Aussie. And we it have was... a lot of listeners with Australian Shepherds, don't we? Yes, we do. Um, and again, this was a really fun. So most people included photos of their dogs, which just made my day. So I loved everything about it. Minnesota. Minnesota. They said Lab and Beagle. It's actually the Border Collie. I didn't have one the lab or beagle submitted. <laughs> I had a lot of Minnesota submissions. Did you have any Burmese mountain dogs? I'm going to get to that. Oh, okay. In Mississippi, they said bulldog. It's actually a pit mix. Yeah. Any type of pit bull mix. Uh. Missouri, they said Australian shepherd and bulldog. It's actually the Boston terrier. <laughs> Missouri, Montana. In Montana, they said Australian Shepherd and Labrador Retriever. What was hands down the most popular dog in Montana was a herding mix. Yeah, I would guess that too. Uh, Nebraska, they said Labrador Retriever. The most common dog in Nebraska is the Beagle. Really? Yeah, who knows? I'm just going off what people told me. In Nevada, they said German Shepherd. In Nevada, well, it is hands down the Corgi. I think we have a lot of listeners with corgis, too. Yeah, we're horse people. <laughs> New Hampshire, their dog was a Labrador Retriever. In New Hampshire, it's actually the Australian Shepherd. Shepherd yeah. New that. Jersey, they said German Shepherd. It's actually the Australian Shepherd. And <laughs> New Mexico, they said German Shepherd. In uh, New Mexico, I have to go to an email to find out. Okay. I... I just had to message somebody that I know who could give me a realistic picture of what it's like. And uh, who else lives in New Mexico but Dr. Siemens. <laughs> <laughs> and he sees dogs all the time. So yeah. here's his email. Since I don't see dogs in practice, I really don't pay much attention to them, except when they bite me. Healers are the most common offenders. But I have been bitten by one Australian Shepherd and two Jack Russells. <laughs> Most ranch dogs in New Mexico are herding types, healers, blue and red, border collies, but are most commonly the general American mutt. And they are the most fertile and thus often the most seen. (laughs) (laughs) Got to leave it to Dr. Stevens. Okay. Now New York, New York, they said Australian shepherd. This is the weirdest, weirdest one. Do you know what the most popular dog in New York is, according to my study? It's got to be a pit mix. Great Dane. Great Dane. You I know, think I'm surprised any of our listeners have Great Danes. I mean, you have horses. Isn't that big enough? You'd... But you see about New York, like the cramped living spaces. Yeah. I think of New York City. I know yeah. there's a lot more to New York. But yeah, Great Dane was the most popular. Uh, North Carolina was a bulldog, according to USA Today. North Carolina, according to our listeners, the dachshund. The wiener dog. <laughs> North Dakota. I'm going to get so many angry emails yes, about this. But just know, I didn't make this up. Uh, New Jersey, they said that in New Jersey, it was, where's New Jersey? I lost New Jersey. Did I do New Jersey? They said German Shepherd. It's the Australian Shepherd. Oh, I did that one already. Okay. New York and North Carolina. And now we're in North Dakota. North Dakota, they said German Shepherd. It's actually the Australian Shepherd. In Ohio, they said German Shepherd. Wait for it. In Ohio. Hands down, the most popular dog. They, oh, by the way, let me make this note about Ohio. Y'all have such a variety of dogs. We have so many listeners in Ohio. But we had Sharpays, Vislas, Healers, Dachshunds, Basset Hounds, a Coton du Tulier, Portuguese water dog. But the most common that I saw from Ohio was the Golden Doodle. <laughs> really? Yes. I mean, there was huskies and mutts and labs and beagles and papillons. I have heard they're really good dogs, though, the golden doodles are. So many varieties of dogs in Ohio. It was amazing. Okay, we're going to go to Oklahoma, which I did have Mm. some say in. What would you have guessed before this? Um, By your observations. Well, I guessed right. Because the most common dog, and this was not just me. 
who sent this in. <laughs> the most common dog in Oklahoma is the Basset Hound. <laughs> <laughs> and again, not just me. Okay. Not just me. We did have some Aussies. We have Oklahoma had blue healers and doodles and Basset Hounds and shepherd mixes, but most sent to me was the Basset Hound. So proud. Um, Oregon, they said Labrador retriever. It's actually in Oregon. It's the lab hands down lab. Lots of dogs in Oregon, lots of different kinds of dogs. I don't see why you would have an Italian greyhound in Oregon, but you do. So I hope it wears a blanket. Uh, Pennsylvania, they said in Pennsylvania, it was the Bernie's mountain dog in Pennsylvania. It's the blue healer. Yeah. I would have guessed a hunting dog. Yeah. In Rhode Island, they said Bernie's mountain dog. Actually, what's the most popular dog in Rhode Island, Glenn? It's the poodle. <laughs> in, South, fits, actually. in South Carolina, they said bulldog. Not far off, it's the Boston Terrier. In South Dakota, they said Labrador Retriever. It's actually, and this was the only one on the list, and it was a close, close, close race in South Dakota between the Doberman, who was the winner, the Doberman, and we also had a couple French bulldogs that were scattered through there. Why in South Dakota? You you take a French bulldog outside, it disappears. Yeah, you'll never see it again until spring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a, like a big tracker on it. Um, in Tennessee, they said German Shepherd. It's actually the Australian Shepherd. Lots of different hound mixes, though, in Tennessee. Uh, in Texas, do you want to get... They said Bernie's Mountain Dog. Do you know what, Do you want to take a guess what the most popular dog I'm in Texas guess is? German Shepherd. No, they're too close to Mexico. Hmm. It's the Chihuahua. Okay, I should have guessed that. We know people with Chihuahuas. <laughs> I mean, there's a million kinds of dogs, lots of terriers, but it was like every other dog people sent me was a Chihuahua. Chihuahua. So yeah, Chihuahua it is. <laughs> Utah, they said bulldog. It's actually the blue healer. The Vermont healers in our group too. Uh huh. Lots of well, they're farm dogs. Yeah. Uh, you Vermont, and they said German Shepherd is actually the Golden Retriever. Um, I did learn a lot of different things like LBD and ARD, American Road Dog, and Little Black Dog. Those are breeds apparently <laughs> in Vermont, <laughs> which I love. It, Mastiff. There's uh, so many different types of dogs in in Vermont. Let me just point out, there was Golden Retrievers, Great Pyrenees, Rottweilers, Mastiffs, all, you know, for Akita. a state, we have a lot of listeners there. Yeah, yeah, lots of listeners in Vermont, but pretty much the Golden Retriever was the winner. In Virginia, they said on the USA Today study, Australian Shepherd, and in Virginia, I actually came up with, or y'all came up with, uh, the Border Collie and tied for a mutt. <laughs> Virginia has Border Collies and mutts. That's what they have. Washington State, Ber they said Bernie's Mountain Dog. Uh, it was a blue healer. Some type of healer mix. Red so, healer, blue healer. So their that. list was sponsored by the Bernie's Mountain Dog Society, and ours is the Blue Healer Society. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> I didn't get any money for this. So trust me. Uh, West Virginia, they said Bulldog, Labrador, German Shepherd, and Boxer. I didn't have any of those breeds on my list. <laughs> West Virginia was the beagle. I would have guessed. I would have guessed mutt in West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. No, the the, the silken windhound is heavily what? represented by one of our listeners. Has a lot of them. Really? Silken <laughs> yeah. silken windhound. Then I know what they up. they're like. The prettiest dog in the world. I love dogs. Uh, Wisconsin, oh, very pretty. They kind of look like a greyhound with hair. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. And every time he posts a picture of his dog, I'm like, what kind of dog is that? I love it. Well, now I know. Um, Wisconsin. They said Golden Retriever. It's actually in Wisconsin, the Jack Russell. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> and in Wyoming, they said German Shepherd. Well, I consulted several people that live in Wyoming, and every one of them has a Border Collie. Border Collie, yeah. Yes. Now, you ask a question, did anybody have a Bernie's, Bernie's Mountain, Mountain dog? dog? Yes. In North Carolina, out of this whole entire study... <laughs> We had one Bernadoodle. Oh. <laughs> they can they combine those two? Yes, oh and they're God. super That's cute. That's got to be an interesting looking dog. Yes, Bernadoodle was the only Bernie's Mountain dog that showed up in the entire <laughs> freaking study, and that was located in North Carolina. <laughs> well, thank you for all your hard work for this. So, what did we determine our most popular? If we think, if you look at the whole list with our listeners, the most popular is one of the collies, right? One of the. Uh, I'm going to go with 
Aussie border collie or healer. Yeah. A herding dogs. Yeah. Shocker. So lots of much. Jack Russells are out now and those are in. I've I've had border collies since I was fifteen. So it's but you go I was to horse shows and all you see is Jack Russells. I don't. Do you still go to horse shows and see yeah, Jack? I mean, Russell's? you see him over at World Equestrian Center. I mean, I loved my shorty Jack. I had a shorty Jack, which one of our listeners also does have a shorty Jack, which is like a mini Jack Russell, and he was but really you know, devious. We, well, we were over there the other day. Come to think about it, I saw a lot less Jack Russells, so maybe they're just becoming less popular. Maybe they realize that they're little tiny terrors. Terrors. <laughs> tear your house <laughs> and apart. I mean that with all the love in my apart. heart. <laughs> <laughs> They'll tear your hotel room apart. <laughs> what our Jack Russell did was like I. I cannot be caged. You cannot put me in a fence. I will get out of it. And he would come up with every way to get out of it. But he also demanded to ride in the front seat and sit on the dashboard. So <laughs> you got to remember, too, for 15 years, I went to people's houses doing financial planning. So for 15 years, I was in people's houses. And the Jack, there was this one house. I'll never forget it. That Jack Russell would go from the countertop, take a flying leap onto the credenza, then a flying leap, knock all the papers we were talking about on the kitchen table. It never hit the floor. Went from one piece of furniture to the next, never (laughs) touching the floor. The scariest time I ever had, though, was I went to this guy's house and the entire appointment, we're sitting at his kitchen table. The two Dobermans are one sitting on either side of me, and they're sitting there staring at me for an hour. They never moved. <laughs> I was they're so happy that you. guy didn't buy anything because I didn't have to go back. So- yeah, they're waiting for <laughs> the queue to kill you. Oh, my God. It was awful. It was awful. Well, thank you for your hard work putting that one together. Thank you. It was, it was thank really you fun. Listeners. And thank you everybody for sending me pictures and emails and uh, the, the again it was awesome I I enjoyed it I was like I gotta go upstairs Chad's like what are you doing I'm like I gotta do my dog study <laughs> like four <laughs> hours later I was like I get and he kept coming up do you need me to do a spreadsheet <laughs> I'll help you I was like get out okay well, I have work to Dr. do Doctor Siemens gave you our next one which breed of dog have you been bitten by. <laughs> <laughs> I need a break from studies, but I have I have been bit by twice two different yellow lab mixes with pointy ears. They have pointy ears standing straight up. They look exactly like yellow labs, and I got attacked by Doberman. Yeah, lab yellow lab. I won't have a yellow lab mix like the mongrelly looking yellow lab mixes, and a Doberman is what I'm getting bit by. I knock on wood. I don't think I've ever been bit by a dog. Well. Your time is tough. (laughs) And when I worked in a vet tech, there was Travis the Chihuahua, but he was cage aggressive. (laughs) Freaking Travis. I think with your vet tech, you've been bitten by dogs. I mean, that's just. Oh, yeah. But um, these are like non, the the two yellow lab mixes, they're like probably not even labs. They're the yellow shepherdy lab looking mixes with ears that are pointy and they were yellow. Though both those dogs were tremendously vicious. And then the Doberman that I got attacked by when I was 12. Which so, left a scar. So vet techs and a groomers. Groomers. <laughs> oh, man, that's got to Stories to tell, too. Well, we've learned a lot in today's show. We've learned about camel riding in the desert. We've learned uh, about what our listeners have in the way of dogs. We've learned about trailers. We've learned about all kinds of stuff today. And in and the post show. I got a pony. <laughs> and you got a pony. That's right. You got an interesting pony that's going to bring lots of stories to the show. So thank you for doing that. Oh, Thank Chad it. for me, too. Um, and then in the post show, we're going to hear about what your problems are in the Equestrian First World Problems segment. Because I'm guessing 99.9% of them are uh, weather-related Oh, all of them were. I actually had to edit like a ton of them because yeah. y'all, I know it's cold. It sucks. But that's not a first world problem. That's a real problem. That's a real world problem. <laughs> but we will hit on some of them that are weather problems. So tomorrow uh, we have a best of show for you. And then uh, Jamie and I will be back Wednesday and Friday, Equine Affair on Thursday. So we have, uh, we have a full load of shows for you. Get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com for really bad ads on Friday. And if you want to send a weird news story, we have a follow-up on a weird news story you did last week. I I tagged you in it. Oh, that's uh, right. Um, that was interesting. I didn't didn't realize that side of that story. So we'll have an update on that. And then if you want to send weird news stories, send them to jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Mm-hmm.